0: this is possibility politics with jeff stein the show where social political economic spiritual and philosophical discourse goes to live we never give up the high moral ground take no political divisioners and fight until the bitterness ends and now here's your host recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the american experiment
1: jeff stein You know, they say about, uh, Jefferson used to say some, I'm paraphrasing, every hundred years, uh, you need a revolution. A democracy needs a revolution every hundred years. Now, of course, he was growing up in an agrarian time, pre-industrial revolution, so things move a little slower. It seems now we're looking at every 50 years as a revolution, and it all kind of gets reset and I say that because I think we need a little context of history today, as well as uh, a gut check at what's going on in the world. We have another mass shooting on our hands. And 50 years ago, for instance, was what, 1967, 1968? <laughs> now I wasn't alive then, but y'all can just look at a little history. In fact, um, Lawrence O'Donnell has a new book out, which is fascinating, I've got some excerpts from, but where he's looking at that. And and it's the reason that's significant is for those who do know history or, or had the benefit of being alive, if you were alive during 1968, you know it was crazy back there. It was cray-cray. Um, things were in this similar turmoil where in a single day you'd have everything from President Johnson resigning followed by uh, you know uh, another law being passed to go after draft dodgers. Things were wild and insane and seemed like everything was going to implode. Because what was similar to then, 50 years ago, that is similar now is the pendulum swings. And this is what I love to talk about on this show because that's what gets your sanity back is when you can look at where we are honestly and aware and we're going to do that because in this context of all our pendulum swings, it's very much a case of good news, bad news, good news. Because it is it is strong and high contrast is high growth. Uh, this is the greatest social, political, economic, spiritual, technological renaissance in the history of mankind. And that's because everybody is in the middle of massive change and things that have been simmering and brewing for hundreds of years are now coming to fruition. But let's look at 1968, for instance, right? You had the civil rights movement was in high gear, and high intensity. And think about it. In 1964, Johnson had just passed the Civil Rights Act, and for the first time, making that kind of racism and segregation and excluding people of color from voting, they first made that illegal. It had just become illegal. And as you know, in a pendulum swing like that, (laughs) it's not over when the law is passed. But it is the swing of the pendulum. It demonstrates When the law is passed, it usually means that we're coming around the other side of the arc. And then it takes X amount of time. Now, obviously, in civil rights, we're still underway in that process. But needless to say, there's just no comparison between then and now. Uh, Another thing besides civil rights, I mean, look what's going on. The assassination of Martin Luther King and uh, Robert Kennedy were both in 1968, right, as I recall. And so that also in itself, can you imagine that? I wasn't alive, but you see in the context of just thinking about, it, especially if you were uh, coming from the side of of wanting progress and wanting civil rights and wanting decency. And you could say that MLK or Kennedy weren't perfect. They weren't. But to watch them both go down in a year where uh, you had also the Cold War was still going on. There was, you know, the, all the obviously we came out of the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that sort of thing, as well as the 50s when you're climbing under desks. So things were, pendulums were, and communism, everything, you know, communism was a scary thing, so much so that we went into Vietnam, right? And we're fighting, quote-unquote, communism, and we're going to war. And look at the polarization of that time. Look at the intensity, and again, this is for the context, so you can see, look at what's going now and not feel so scared by it. One of the debates back then was, you know, half the country says, oh, you will go to war. And the other half saying, I will not go to war. (laughs) That's pretty stark, especially in like 1968, 16,000 soldiers in Vietnam were killed in 1968. And we talk about Iraq being a thousand or, you know, 500, not to belittle those losses because to the family that incurs them, it doesn't matter what the numbers are. But, you know, this was in the middle. And, And so while they're refusing to go to war... The the intensity was upping. Congress is passing laws, making it you know giving two to four year jail sentences for not carrying your draft card around with you. And then you got the other side that's burning their draft cards, a federal breaking federal law as a protest in public, knowing that they could face the repercussions. Choosing between you know going to jail or going to war. What could be more stark? That's the kind of stuff that was going on in the last major revolution, and and including the sexual revolution. I want to jump into that in a second, too, because there's a fascinating part of that that was going on because birth control was pretty new, and that's a big deal. But. The going to war got going to war, and then you got folks like Donald Trump and others who were getting deferments, you know, faking a bone spur uh, several times so he didn't have to go to war. Whereas other ones are, are burning their draft cards or running to Canada because they didn't have the resources to pay off a doctor to lie about a condition to create a false, you know, excuse. All of that was going on 50 years ago. And again, it was intense for those folks back then. They were freaking out. And that led to also the space race. So there's this upside, too, where we went to the moon by 1969. We were in high growth and high contrast. And that busting through... Started a whole new process, and of course, it didn't end. Pendulum still swung around. We had uh, the crime was a major issue, and that scared the crud out of people, and they were overreacted to that. All of that was happening, and now we're in today's pendulums where we are breaking records constantly in these last few years. We are breaking records in things like climate change. We know that. And whether you believe whatever the origin is of it, it is undeniable that we are breaking records constantly on that. We are breaking records in economic inequality, concentration of wealth. We're breaking records of violence, as relief from worthlessness. I'll explain that as we get to that. We're uh, breaking new ground with civil rights, gender rights, all sorts of things. Economic inequality is becoming equality. And you say, God, that's depressing, Jeff. History repeats itself. Yes, yes. History repeats itself. But it stands on the shoulders of the previous participants, and so it moves forward. So today on Possibility Politics, a place where news and life meets optimism and patriotism, another senseless mass shooting with another mass killing machine by a man out of his senses, The great Kentucky landscaping dispute that landed a senator in the hospital. President Trump is in Japan, and everything about it is in Russia. Uh, Voters go to the poll in Virginia, and the Democratic Party cage match between Donna Brazil and Hillary Clinton. That'll all be coming up, as well as the hottest holiday gift of the season, all happening here on Possibility Politics. This is possibility politics. I'm Jeff Stein. This is the place where social, political, popular, non-popular culture seem to the lens of possibility and purpose. Although it doesn't feel very purposey and possibility today, when you are coming off another mass shooting, Southern Texas, and uh, the fun facts, which are just not even fun at all, are things like that. Now, as of this week, remember Columbine in Colorado. Uh, that was like one of the early mass shootings, the two young teenagers who went into, don't even mention their names anymore because we've been like the new paradigm is to prefer them as gunmen. Notice gunmen, not gunwomen, thank God. But well, I'm sure be- before and long, we'll have a woman do it. But in the meantime, uh, that now, the Columbine shooting, is no longer as a result, because of the yesterday's or this week's shooting, uh, is no longer on the top 10 uh, mass shooting list. It has been bumped off. And that just sounds... I, I, you hear that. And you go, How do I even process that, that we have so many mass shootings with such regularity that we're like, oh, look, we're ranking them. Look, oh, now that's now that's the top 10. Uh, it's beyond imaginable. You know, and you see these thing these memes. Uh, Juan Velasquez, who's producing the show today, he uh, threw up this Twitter uh, meme that is going around. I've seen it a lot as, you know, one shoe bomber. And we take off all our shoes at the airport, 1,520 mass shootings since Sandy Hook, and Congress has done nothing. And it's so frustrating. I know that this is where it just gets—the division gets stranger and uglier, and we keep rinsing and repeating this debate looking for something— and I want to talk about the different parts of it. Now, I don't want to go too much into the shooting because, you know, you guys can look it up. You can, you can find out the details, but it's not necessarily that uncommon of what we've already seen. I think one of the more tragic ones is the number of children that were killed. If you saw about the story, about I think it was the Holcomb family who literally lost three, four generations. They had the, the grandparents all the way down to the great-grandchildren and an unborn great-grandchildren. I mean, child that was in, obviously, in the womb of one of the mothers that was killed there. And then you look at this thing where he had 15 magazines with 30 rounds each, which are illegal in many states, but obviously not in Texas, easily obtainable. And he fired off somewhere between three, four hundred, 400, 450 rounds. And then there was the incident where he comes out of the church and everybody says, well, oh, there you go. There's there, there's the good guy with the gun. And look that one up. This guy who is the people that you're a hero, rightfully so. He is vehemently rejecting that label because the one thing about being quote-unquote heroic, yes, he had a gun and he exchanged fire with the assailant. Now, at this point, the assailant had already killed 26 people. It was already effectively over. He'd fired his several hundred rounds. He had a few more rounds, sure, a pistol and what have you. Uh, We'll find out the details. And this guy exchanges fire with him, hits him, okay, okay. Then he gets his car, drives away, and then dies of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So did it have an effect? It had an effect on that guy, the quote-unquote hero. He feels horrible. He doesn't feel like, yep, it worked. I mean, he's not standing around with his swagger saying, see, we just need more guns. He is horrified by the incident and doesn't see that as the way life should play out. And everybody just doesn't know kind of what to do with it. Because it seems like you can't do anything about it. Again, we keep looking at Congress, and yes, states can do things, and many states have done things. But this is one of these issues; it has to be done on the federal level. That's the only way it's going to be effective in any measurable sense. I mean, there's been states have done some great things. Colorado, under Governor Hickenlooper, there they put together a. uh, He started adding mental health facilities around the state that you could bring and get quick care or quick help to somebody. You could report a family member and get them in to to, to get some examinations of you know, somebody you know is mentally disturbed. So they're trying to get to these sort of things. But in generally speaking, we need the federal response. Um, and so how does that happen, right? First, let's get to breaking down again the the typical arguments, right? Because as soon as these things happen, we kind of cycle through all the standard uh, the talking points right the first one is now is the time to not you know now it's time to mourn not discuss uh, legislative solutions time to mourn like uh, we were you know you've heard these 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 clips before today is a day for consoling their survivors uh and mourning those we lost this is a moment for national mourning you need to grieve Needed to pray and we needed to come
0: together. Now's the time to, to grieve. Now's the time to mourn. Now's the time to come together.
1: There's a time and place for a political debate. Uh, but now is the time to unite as a country. And we'll be talking
2: about gun laws as time goes by.
0: I think it's a premature to be
1: discussing legislative solutions if there are any. Yeah, It's not time to do politics. If- so I probably for the music. That was a Washington Post montage they put together. Uh, God bless the news media for kind of assembling these, these things again. So now is the time to mourn. Now, what does that feel like when you hear that? You just go, yeah, okay, yes, right. We'll let the families mourn. But this is one of the great paradigms of any situation. If you're even in, just in the local tragedy, you always respect the mourning of the people that were directly involved in in a tragedy. But it's up to the level heads of those who weren't involved to look at it with neutrality and reflection and consider what can be done about it but so no, we can't do that so that's just a talking point right they do that one first and then the next one is the old mental health is to blame you know it's it's not the access to guns it's it's just the mental health so we do that one again right mental
2: health is your problem here this was a Very, based on preliminary reports, very deranged individual.
0: This is a person who had uh, mental challenges at the time this happened.
2: He was a sick man, a demented man, a lot of problems,
1: I guess. One of the things we've learned from these shootings is that often underneath this is a diagnosis of mental illness. Mental illness, which we need to begin to address more seriously. (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't be chuckling, but it's just... There it again, you know, mental illness this way. Oh, we know we should do something on the bus. This is coming from folks who as you one of the first things that Donald Trump, President Trump signed when he first got into the office was the elimination of the Obama era rule that made it that banned gun sales to the mentally uh, violently mentally adjudicated. Adjudicated, meaning obviously they had a judgment against them, a conviction or something. So, there, Obama and company had put in a rule that if you had, you know, violently beat somebody or violently commit a crime, that or and you were been adjudicated as being mentally ill, you should not be allowed guns. They got rid of that. They wanted to have so that mentally ill people have full access to guns as much as the mentally sane. And this is the same group that is simultaneously trying to cut the portions of Obamacare that help mental health. <laughs> so not only are they removing mental care, but they are also making it perfectly legal for people that have mental issues to access and have guns. See if that makes any sense to you. And then the third talking point is that you know legislation doesn't matter. It won't matter since criminals... Don't follow the law, right? Laws won't matter. There has from the beginning of time been people who have perpetrated
0: evil, and there's no amount of rules or laws. I mean, for those who think that gun control would have prevented this, we already have laws against murder.
2: You honestly believe that if we had passed some law that we could have stopped this in Las Vegas. You're always going to have some bad apples. You see it on television. Criminals
1: don't care about the laws that we pass with regards to guns. They never follow the law. That's why they're criminals. <laughs> it's just, right? And it's that same thing. And and, and I'm going to answer this why they, they have this in their head. Uh, but I, again, I wanted to go through those various talking points. And the last one is that they just jump to the idea that accusing, that any kind of regulation on on guns or who can own them, like criminals and the mentally adjudicated. They call that an, an infringement, of course, on the uh, the Second Amendment. They're taking away your Second Amendment rights, right? And I will not compromise away your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. It clearly does not
0: respect the Second Amendment rights for law-abiding Americans. They've tried to curb the rights of those they disagree with, whether it's your right to bear arms or whether it's your right to speak up.
1: Yeah, Second Amendment rights. Oh, it's all about that. That's... <laughs> and you've heard these, and you probably want to scream at the wind because it's just like, what do you do about it? And 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 what can you do with folks that believe that? There's not much you can do. Ted Cruz, in fact, after this most recent shooting, who's up for re-election in Texas and is, of course, expected to win, it's Texas. And unless there is a surge of voters in opposition, which is possible, I don't know who the Democratic candidate is. And unfortunately, we're in a two-party system where it has to be a Democratic candidate. I wish we were in a place where an independent could come up and actually have an effect. Uh, but <laughs> we'll find out where it goes on there. As, as we'll see, You'll see what happens, as uh, President Donald Trump would say. But Ted Cruz said, it was his statement after. He said, evil is evil is evil. And we'll use the weaponry that is available. Did you hear that? He just made the argument for sensible gun legislation. Evil is evil is evil. Fine. And we'll use the weaponry that is available. What is available? Mass murder machines are available. Widely available. Now, in the case of Sutherland, this kid guy went, the gunman went to jail for a year from the Air Force because he was abusing his wife so much and even fractured the skull of his of his infant stepson. So he went to jail. And as you probably read in the news, the Air Force made the mistake of not logging that into the federal law so that he wouldn't be able to own or purchase guns of any kind. And you know, we don't even have, most states don't even have a law that says, you know, you, you can't own a, a an assault rifle, let alone, I mean, it, it, it would be one thing to say, well, you know, maybe they both should be able to own a pistol in their house to protect themselves, a 22-gauge, you know, rifle, a 22 uh, rifle so that they can, you know, or a shotgun so they can go out hunting, uh, but an assault rifle, that's a killing machine? And also, by the way, the, the the Ruger Assault AR-15 model that was used in this most recent shooting, they reminded people that the bullets that are used for those assault rifles are designed to kill. They blast. They they, they tear flesh more. They break up. They're designed to cause maximum damage to the tissues when they hit, as opposed to many hunting rifles. Those who you know, if you know guns, you know hunting. I come from a, a rural town uh, where that was common. You you want to get a bullet that you know kills the prey but doesn't make you have to spend your time picking shrapnel out of the meat you're going to eat. These weapons do that. They are designed to just tear everything up. And that is why this shooter was available to kill so much so effectively. Because the weapons are designed to do that. And that is where we are once again. And so you hear all this and you go, this just drives me absolutely crazy, Jeff. Um, How do we deal with these people who are not going to get it. Well, here's where we come to the kind of the, the good news, bad news, good news situation, because these folks aren't necessarily going to get it. <laughs> the folks that believe in this sort of thing. In fact, even the uh, Donald Trump was in Seoul and they asked him about gun control because, duh, right? And here's what he had to say.
2: You've talked about wanting to put extreme vetting on people trying to come into the United States. But I wonder if you would consider extreme vetting for people trying to buy a gun. Trying to what? Buy a gun. Well, you know, you're bringing up a situation that probably shouldn't be discussed too much right now. We could let a little time go by, but it's okay if you feel that that's an appropriate question, even though we're the heart of South Korea. I will certainly answer your question. Uh, If you did what you're suggesting, there would have been no difference three days ago. And you might not have had that very brave person who happened to have a gun or a rifle in his truck go out and shoot him and hit him and neutralize him. And I can only say this. If he didn't have a gun, instead of having 26 dead, he would have had hundreds more dead. So that's the way I feel about it. And are you Not going to help. And are you considering any kind of gun control policy going forward? When you look at because- the, the city with the strongest gun laws in our nation is Chicago, mm-hmm. and Chicago is a disaster. It's a total disaster. Just remember, if this man didn't have a gun or a rifle, you'd be talking about a much worse situation in the great state of Texas. Thank you.
1: So, ah, uh, jeez. So much there when we come back. Extreme vetting, uh, not going to help, the Chicago argument. I want to address each one of those, but I also want to, more importantly, get to that part of the equation so we can understand what goes through the minds of folks that are just not going to move on this subject and what to do with them, because there's good news, bad news, good news there and also get to the stuff about what's going on in the rest of politics and Russia and Kentucky with Rand Paul and Virginia and uh, Donna Brazil when we return to Possibility Politics. This is Possibility Politics, the purple state of mind with the amber airwaves of grain. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining me. However, you try to make sense of this world in which we live and the many pendulums that are swinging, most interestingly, is the pendulum of violence, our violence side. How do we deal with it? How do we live with it in a society? And most of all, how do we make sense of it all? Because after something like this, everybody tries to make sense. And remember, we went through this interesting curve where first we went, hey, wait a second. These shooters are getting glorified because as soon as they shoot somebody or blow something up or whatever they were doing, we would put their name all over, we would put their picture all over, tell their story, and they become these weird heroes, right? So we kind of fixed that voluntarily. We in the media started calling them gunmen and giving less attention to them. In fact, there was a little stretch of time where we almost didn't even mention their name and you had to go, "Was this guy? I don't even know. Can't remember. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But then that didn't work for us, and the reason it didn't work for us is because our desire to make sense of it was so strong, we still wanted to know what was going on in the mind of the shooter so we could somehow put a line of a thread, something that made sense. And I'll give you a little bit of what I feel like what always comes up for me, because in order for someone to shoot, to decide to use a weapon of mass killing, a mass killing machine on, on, our, on people that are innocent, um, you that has to be relief for you. And listen to this carefully on this one. In other words, wherever that person's mental state is, it would feel like relief to take a gun and shoot a bunch of people and then go out, you know, in a, in a typically, as they often do, in a suicidal way you know, most of them end up ending their life. They know they know how it's going to end. But they, okay, so what would be the feeling, what would be the belief of a person like that to have that be relief? They would basically have to feel worthless. They would have to feel like uh, such a low, disregarded, rejected, uh, unloved human being. And you say, oh gosh, your poor people are unloved. Well, hey, <laughs> That's why we're here. Uh, we're here to, to, to live and express and follow our bliss and our creative joy. And if we get into a situation where we feel like that will never happen, will always be rejected, will always be considered worthless, then something like shooting people say, I'll show you, I'll show how, who's worthless. That is a common thread, as any psychologist will tell you, of some of these shooters is I want to feel worth. They don't. They don't articulate it that way because they don't have enough control over their own consciousness, their own desires, their own thoughts. They don't have enough awareness to put that together. They're just chasing revenge, which, as you know, is a is sweet relief. Revenge is sweet relief from powerlessness and worthlessness. So that is the through line. And people so like, Oh, he's a mentally. Oh, is it political? No. No, and it doesn't matter if it was political anyway. And if that was the fulcrum of what they did, it really doesn't matter. The point is, is they felt worthless and needed to feel worth something. And so they start shooting. Now, the second mind we're trying to understand. I was watching a great clip. Chris Murphy, a senator from Connecticut. Obviously, Connecticut knows Sandy Hook, whatever, knows the the front line of mass shootings. And they asked him, I said, well, what's going on in Congress? Why? Because it won't move through Congress, ultimately. You've heard this before. The numbers on whether on on American polling on do you think there should be background checks? Do you think that people with that are adjudicated for for violent crimes should should not have guns? The numbers on those, including amongst NRA members, are massive. They're in the 80s and 90 percentiles. It is very universally known to be true, but yet. Congress, right, doesn't do anything and some politicians that are running uh, certain states, state legislatures as well. They refuse to do anything. And so they asked him, what is the what is the deal about them? And he says, well, half of the Congress people are gun control darwinists and absolutists, meaning they are just never ever going to budge on this. They will never ever accept that the guns are the part of the problem. And the other half of the Republicans in Congress, are afraid of the, and some Democrats, Heidi Heitkamp or, or maybe even Joe Manchin, the other half are afraid of the gun lobby and being primaried. Now, in other words, the gun lobby will come in, spend money to replace you in the primary with somebody who is a gun control Darwinist and absolutist. And so when you believe that, their belief system okay, of these folks is based on strength of conviction, not curiosity toward a solution. You've heard me say that before, strength of conviction, meaning their self-worth and their identity with who they are is entwined with the idea that their worth is, is whether they can prove that the belief that it's not the guns, it can't be the guns. And they have to believe that and have to prove that constantly. Can't be the guns. Nope. Can't be the guns. And so every time something comes up, they go, nah, 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 can't be guns. And they train their brains to come up with any argument, including the more and more ridiculous ones, like Ted Cruz even being caught in his own argument saying, oh, yeah, that it, evil is evil and anybody can do it who has access. Yeah, access, you see, but it can't be the guns. It has to be something else. And they miss, as a lot of these, uh, you know, obviously some of these folks are are good Christian folks, and they miss that part of the Old Testament that says, you, those who live by the sword shall perish by the sword. How did you miss that one? How do you not see those who live by the sword shall perish by the sword? And how did they miss that first part of the, the, the Constitution, Right? Remember, the we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty. You guys know this because you know the freaking song, right? I love that song. My favorite schoolhouse rock. Listen to that. That's the preamble to the Constitution. It makes it very clear that what we're trying to do is provide for the common defense, the domestic tranquility. How can any of this be like domestic tranquility? Because they believe it can't be the guns. It can't be the guns because guns are what make me powerful. Guns are who I am. Guns are my identity. And you say, well, I don't say that out loud. That's not what I believe, isn't it? Isn't it? wheres Because it seems like a strength of conviction rather than a curiosity toward a solution. Because if you had a curiosity towards a solution, you'd say, oh, well, maybe it could be the guns. Maybe it could be these mass killing machines. Maybe those shouldn't be in the hands. No, no, no. Can't be the guns. Can't be the guns. Stop, stop, stop. I'm not going to listen to you. It can't be the guns. So what do you do with that? The Republicans, like I said, half of them are going to stay with it. It can't be the guns no matter what. The other half is afraid they'll be primaried by some candidate who says it can't be the guns. So there's only one solution. I'm sorry to say good news, bad news. Good news is we've identified this. The bad news is that they have to be removed. There's no other alternative. I'm sorry. And and now it's kind of depressing But you're not going to convince Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan or any of these guys to go back and consider that it might be guns and the access to them or mental health and the access to guns and and lack of mental health care as being the issue. They're going to see it as any argument they can come up with, including... They go to, it's God. You know, it's just God. God is willing it, and God is 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 obviously orchestrating everything. And so if this is what's happening, and it happened to a people in a church, uh, then that's just the way it is. And there's nothing you know that we can do about that. In fact, uh, <laughs> there's a great clip that was on uh, Fox News that I'll play here when we come back that, uh, that illustrates them trying to find new arguments because it can't be the guns. It just can't and they're not going to budge. So don't try to budge somebody who says that. They're, they're just not going to be able to be moved. So we have to move on and just start and ever increasingly gain our momentum to remove folks who aren't willing to be, have curiosity toward a solution. That's, and that's what we have to demand. Well, is that working? Yeah, actually it is working. The anti-gun lobby; these organizations, and there are many, and it's like folks started like by Gaff, Gabby Giffords, remember the congresswoman who was shot uh, at a town hall at a at a grocery store, uh, among others, among children. Uh, those gun lobbies actually have been gaining steam, not only in their financing and in their operation and their apparatus, but in elections, and they've won most of the races that they put money into. They just weren't able to compete yet, and now they're competing more. And each cycle, it's more. And each cycle, it gets better and better. You have to make it an issue. You have to make an issue that you list as one of your reasons for supporting or opposing candidates. It has to be important to you, and it has to be said out loud. And the good news is, it is. It's getting louder. So when we come back, I want to play that Fox & Friends clip that explains to you, again, where these folks are just scrambling for arguments, and then we'll get into the rest of the, the fun lightning round. Uh, that'll be a little brighter than that when we return to Possibility Politics. This is Possibility Politics, a place where we try to provide a a more satisfying perspective on life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And uh, we're talking about the latest mass shooting. And (laughs) everyone. the argument is falling thinner and thinner. And again, the good news is is that the vast majority of the nation gets it and gets that. Even in the Bible, there's lots of stuff, not only should the, about to you those who live by the sword shall perish by the sword, but also a lot about God gives you the free will to step in and take the action to bring the light forward. And bringing the light forth means finding, having a curiosity that helps you find solutions instead of a strength of conviction that it has to be this or it has to be that or it can't be this or it can't be that. And so, one of the things that give you an example of how they're just scrambling for uh, something to say because they have to refuse the saying that it could be the guns, that it could be our the guns or the mental health. You know, it can't be that, so it has to be the other thing. So this was on uh, Fox and Friends this morning, fairly when Greg Abbott the the governor of Texas was on.
0: The gunman knew that most likely they, no one had guns in there. There's a, was there a note to, uh, like, leave your guns on the outside? As far as I'm aware, there was uh, no note or notation mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it did appear that the gunman, uh, for one, you could tell by the way that he was armed and geared, uh, he was prepared uh, to be able to take on fire. Uh, obviously, he was perhaps surprised and shocked uh, when a neighbor came out uh, and did shoot him and connected with him. Uh, so he was struck? For, we, so the assailant was hit? The, the assailant well, was hit uh, by that neighbor. We do have, at least I was told that by Texas law enforcement, mm-hmm. uh, before he got into the car and ran away. And, and it, it could have been the fact that it was hit uh, by the neighbor's gunshot that caused him to drop his weapon. And here's what we don't know. Is uh, We know it was only moments later uh, that he died. We don't know if his death was uh, because yeah, was of the neighbor's gunshot we found that or he self-inflicted right. wound. It was self-inflicted. Governor,
1: you know, we've been reporting this shouldn't happen here in a church. But I was downstairs talking with some people that work here that um, we all talk about our faith and we share the same beliefs. We were saying there's no other place we would want to go in that other than church because I'm there asking for
0: forgiveness. I feel very close to, to Christ when I'm there. So I'm trying to look at some positives here and know that those people are with the lord now and experiencing eternity and and no more suffering no more sadness anymore
1: <sighs> that's the scramble is they have to come up with a reason uh, and so it's like well hey at least you know if you're going to be mass murdered i mean doing it in a church is is nice really that's where we are and i let and that whole that whole segment of the rest of the segment of fox and friends they never had a moment of curiosity they never discussed what could be done to reduce uh, the probability. And here's a great parallel. You know, if you talk about the wall that's bordering Mexico, right? And they go build the wall because we don't, if, you know, if a story was of some, somebody coming over the border and then raped or killed somebody, you'd be say, well, then we got to build that wall taller. We got to make the wall stronger, right? They'd immediately say that. But there's, when it comes to a wall between guns Mass killing machines, not even, you know, guns, but a wall between mass killing machines and adjudicated violent criminals. Oh, well, we can't do that. We can't build that wall up because, you know, it won't work anyway because one will get through. (laughs) So do you not want to reduce the harm? And of course we do. Of course the vast majority of us, too. You know, they talk like to handle Trump's comments. You know, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. It does help. It's proven to help. And then he always brings up Chicago. I love this one because, you know, Chicago is violent. It's got all kinds of gun laws and it looks not helping. Well, anybody who knows knows the first two problems of that is, A, the guns can come from outside the city because there's lots of adjacent states and locations. Again, that's why it has to be done on the federal level. That's the only way it's going to work because because if you can go to the next state, it's like dry counties. For those of you who have looked in a rural town like me, oh, you got a dry county? Why is there still so much liquor here? Because people still get it from the next county, right? And then the second part, and I know you said, oh, I just made an argument against gun control. <laughs> no, it's you're not going to block them all. I agree with you. You're not going to keep every gun out of every criminal's hands. But when they can just walk into a store and get a mass killing machine because they finally got crazy enough in their self-worthlessness that it feels like relief to go shoot people, you don't want to make it easy. You don't want to just let them say, yeah, come on in, get it, grab it, help yourself, go killing. It should be fun. It doesn't make any sense, and of course, doesn't make any sense to most people. And when on the idea of it can't be the guns, then they turn it into an argument of religion. You heard that we don't. Well, they don't understand. Like Paul Ryan said today, it turned into an us versus them. He says, it's disappointing, it's sad, and this is what you'll get from the far secular left, you know, because them. People who do not have faith don't understand faith, I guess I'd have to say. And it is the right thing to do is to pray in moments like this, because you know what? He says, prayer works, and I know you believe that, and I believe that, and when you hear the secular left doing this thing, it's no wonder you have so much polarization and disunity in this country when people think like that. See, they turn it into, it goes from a frustration on the left saying, yeah, thoughts and prayers are great, but we need to take action to do something about mass killing machines getting in the hands of people that are dangerous. And they say, you're attacking our faith. You're just attacking our faith. And then like this lady woman said, oh, you know, it's just, it's, thank God it was in a church. That makes me feel better. That is demonstrations of an argument that no longer makes any sense even to them. They are so determined to believe it can't be the guns, even they say they? what's their answer, right? One of the answers is more guns. If you had more good guys with guns, then you wouldn't have to worry about bad guys with guns. Well, that doesn't make any sense if it can't be the guns, which is it, right? And the guy that shot, that they finally got their wish where a bystander pulled out his gun, terrified, horrified. He didn't want to have anything to do with this. He didn't want to be the hero. He does shoot the assailant, but he'd already fired off 350, 400 rounds. It was already done. It, it Sure, it created a, a, an ensuing chase, but it was over. It's not going to stop that. You know, a good guy with a gun, a bad guy with a gun, you know, it, it has to start at mental health, and it has to start by trying to keep mass killing machines away from people. But it's going to happen. These guys' days are numbered because everybody gets it but them. And now I'm as far as to say the good news, bad news, good news is that, again, elections are showing that. We have one in Virginia today, and uh, we're going to find out what effect it happens there, too, because now it's starting to be on the ballot. Now it's starting to be a thing because people are disgusted and sick of it. Lots and lots of very religious, faithful people are want to take good acts to preserve uh, the the tranquility and the peace and the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, which we all deserve to be able to be safe in our own world because there isn't a mass killing device available to pick up on a whim when you get upset enough to make it seem like that's a good thing to do. So we are on it, but it is uh, a scary and unfortunate part. So... Now I'm going to make a very uncomfortable segue to the last few uh, stories that are going on in the news, kind of the lightning round. One of them is, is that if you're wondering about Obamacare, by the way, speaking of records, signups surged to a new record in these early days of Obamacare signups. So even in in the attack, more people are trying to get it because they want to be taken care of. They want their health care to, you know, they want to have health care. They want it as a right. Duh. Right. Okay. Uh, Trump's polls numbers keep getting lower and lower. He's breaking records on lowest polling president ever. Um, what's going on in the DNC is fascinating. <laughs> uh, they are having a little internal war about uh, Donna Brazil which read, read a new book, wrote a new book, and is uh, telling about how they kind of rigged the election. Uh, Hillary and company did. That's That's their words. Now, of course, that's strong. Uh, rigged, although Elizabeth Warren agreed with that, it was rigged in the sense that, if you, you've read this story, I assume you've read this story, but they um, they signed a contract back before she was the nominee saying with the DNC saying, I will retire all your debt, but I get to control hiring, staffing, and where the money goes. And that was so much insider. Now, of course, if you assume she's going to be the nominee, then no, okay, then that's fine, because once a president is usually, whoever is the president, they're always the leader uh, whichever party it is, of the the DNC, the RNC. They're the leader of that. So there was an expectation. So you could say, OK, in defense of Hillary, she thought she was a nominee. She thought she was going to be the president. So, OK, she took over the DNC. But obviously, when Bernie came up, it made it. In fact, uh, there was a report just a day or two ago that Joe Biden's chances looked like they were effectively eliminated because he looked at the strata and the fact that Hillary Clinton was controlling all aspects of the DNC and said, well, I, I'm not going to be able to get the DNC to give me the light of day. Uh, and so they're not going to help me with the databases. They're going to they're going to help Hillary. So what a chances do I have? And that, of course, combined with the fact that his son, Beau, had just recently died. He just said, I'm just it's too much. And so this is all rear view mirror. And it's shaking out and we're going to find out how well it shook out because in Virginia, obviously, if you're listening to the show after the results have already occurred, uh, you'll know. But uh, in Virginia, where well, there's a governor's race, a very tight and, intention- and contentious governor's race, and it's being a referendum on Donald Trump, the Republicans running basically on Trump ideas of keeping up Confederate statues and, and uh, emphasizing gangs infiltrating from Mexico. So and then the Democrat Ralph Northam is running from a, a populist side. In fact, uh, here I'll give you some uh, sense of, of what's going on here in uh, in Virginia. There's the uh, MS-13 ad that's being run against by Ed Gillespie against Ralph Northam.
0: MS-13's motto is kill, rape, control. This violent gang has been tied to brutal murders across Virginia. Ralph Northam's policy. Northam cast the deciding vote in favor of sanctuary cities that let illegal immigrants who commit crimes back on the street, increasing the threat of MS-13. Ralph Northam, weak on MS-13, putting Virginia families at risk.
1: So he met all Ed about Ed Gillespie, candidate for governor, and I sponsored this ad. And I sponsored this ad. So that's that side. And then he responded. I'm Ralph Northam, candidate for governor, and I think you need to hear this directly from me. Ed Gillespie's attack ad linking me to MS-13 is despicable. As a pediatric neurologist, I've treated the victims of gun violence. As an army doctor, I treated victims of terrorism, too. And in Richmond, I voted to give gang members tougher prison sentences. I sponsored this ad because for Ed Gillespie to blame me for MS-13, It's nothing more than a page from Donald Trump's book. Yeah. So there's that. That's one of the discussion went back and forth. But then here's another taste of what Ed Northam hit uh, Gillespie on. I'm Ralph Northam, candidate for governor, and I sponsor this ad. They call him Enron Ed
2: because Washington, D.C. lobbyist Ed Gillespie represented the worst of the worst.
1: Lenders trying to keep student loan rates high, corporations sending jobs overseas, and, of course, the Enron scandal. Now... Enron Ed is lobbying for Donald Trump's agenda, like cuts to Virginia school funding and taking away health care from thousands of Virginians. Enron Ed Gillespie, he's not lobbying for you. So we're going to find out. He's been Ed Northam has been ahead in the polls, and they have closed. He was at, at one point at six points ahead, and now he's only two or three points ahead. But it, it looks like that. Now, the other thing that's going on in Virginia is previously they had not contested. The Democrats had not really contested. They only contested about 40 different seats in the state legislature, which are all up for election right now, too. This cycle today, 80%. They are contesting 80 because Donald Trump has done another thing. He has made candidates come out of the woodwork. In fact, in Oklahoma, of all places, there has been a surge in Democrats winning offices in special elections because of anti-Trump rhetoric. So we're going to find out if this works. And I think we're going to find that it did work. Uh, This is the shift, y'all. This is how it occurs. But we're in that part of the pendulum where it feels kind of ugly. It feels like it's not necessarily happening and you have to wait till that next election. You have to wait till these folks are removed because they're not going to change. They've made it very clear. They're not going to give up their guns or their belief that it can't be the solution until they're removed and they're on their way out. Other things, last couple things uh, that are going on, uh, they finally had to admit, even the White House had to admit that the majority of global warming effects are man-made. <laughs> they hated having to admit that, but that is the way it is. Uh, and so <laughs> that's coming truth is coming there too that pendulum is swinging around. Ivanka Trump went to a, a women's uh, symposium, a national women's Symposium and was almost laughed out because she <laughs> said how can you say that sexual harassment should never be tolerated when you your father is has been tolerated for his sexual harassment And then uh, finally just to have you, leave you with a nice fun story you know what the funnest the, the the new hot uh, holiday gift this year is. It's called the unboxing gift. It's $69.99. It's a toy. It's a dome-shaped plastic case filled with 50 surprises. Four dolls, along with accessories, clothing, charms, that are knickknacks that must be individually unwrapped. The whole it's called the big surprise. And the whole appeal of it is in the slow reveal. It takes hours to unwrap, but that's what everybody loves. There's videos. Look it up. YouTube, the big surprise. People spend hours unwrapping this thing because they just want the process of unwrapping things figure that one out all right i'm jeff stein uh we'll do this again in a couple days thank you for listening to possibility politics this has been possibility politics
0: with jeff stein Uh, the social political pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic jeff stein